Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. So glad that you could join us for a look at the book, the book we're looking at today, the book of Zechariah. I have a six-part series on the book of Zechariah. This is a book that will help you understand the times in which we're living. You know, many people talk about the Jewish feast and the fulfillment of these Jewish feasts. Well, this study that we're going to take right now in Zechariah helps us to understand the fulfillment of the feast. That's just in a moment, but let me tell you, this is a six-part audio series on CD that is available to you. And after we have our study, I'll tell you how you can get your own personal copy so you can study through the book of Zechariah. But right now, let's spend a few moments taking a look at the book, the book of Zechariah and the Fulfillment of the Jewish Feast. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to take just a moment. I know I'm running through this, but I just I want to introduce it to you, let you start to study it, see what you think about it. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This is after the Olivet Discourse. This is Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. This is after the triumphal entry. He is now in town, and he's having a time with his people. It says in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 1, six days prior to the Passover, Jesus Christ came to Jerusalem. He had been out in the desert down near Jericho which is more than a Sabbath day's journey. Now, in calculation, when I'm going to show this chart to you in just a moment, I'll show you that six days prior to lays out the day of the Passover because he could not have traveled on Shabbat because he would have abided by the laws. He would have not traveled farther than he was allowed to on Shabbat, so he had to arrive on Friday. And we'll show you what day Passover took place, and I'm going to give you some very interesting information. But look here. They're in town. They've been there for six days. Verse 17, Matthew 26. Now, the first, and by the way, in italics in the King James, I know the King James is inspired, but, and I use the King James only. I'm not in King James only, but I use it all the time. But notice the word day, if you have a King James, and feast are in italics, means that that's interpolation, not interpretation. Okay? The verse should read like this. And the word is pratos, which means at the first. So the, ver- the, word, the verse should read, now at the first of the unleavened bread. The unleavened bread started at Passover. So he says at the first of unleavened bread. At the first of unleavened bread, in other words, just before it started, at the first of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? How do I know unleavened bread started? Because he's saying we're going to have the Passover. The scripture is just explaining itself. And he said unto them, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with thy disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now what did they have to do to make ready the Passover? They were going to have a Passover Seder that night. When did the Passover Seder take place? At the eve, the beginning of Passover. At sundown on whatever day it was. The beginning of that day of Passover, of Nisan 14, of that 14th day of the first month. But it's in the afternoon now. They're getting ready to have the Passover. What do they do? Well, just like they did in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, they take the lamb, a lamb that they've been watching for a certain amount of days. 
And that lamb is perfect, without any kind of abnormalities. And they take this lamb, and they go to the temple, and they take the lamb to the priest. You know, in the, some of the Passovers that they had, Hezekiah had a Passover with 30,000 lambs slaughtered in one day. It was the greatest ever Passover that ever took place. They take the lamb in, they give the lamb to the priest, the lamb does the ritual slaughter of the, uh, excuse me, the priest does the ritual slaughter of the lamb, cuts his throat rabbinically. He then takes the blood, puts it in the Mizrach, and you know, they have the smaller Mizrachs for the Passover, and it has, they, you know why they have to have 28,000 priests? All of them come in for the Passover, and those Passovers are unbelievable. They take the Mizrach with the blood, they hand it here, and they get the empty Mizrach, and it's going as fast as they can go because the blood is being put on the altar, and it looked like when they were doing some of these Passover feasts and preparation for it, that there was just one stream of Mizrachs moving down with blood in it, and so they get, and then they get the meat. After the lamb has been sacrificed, they get the meat, and they bring it back. And the meat has been blessed, and now they come back to have the Passover Seder. And John and Peter were sent to prepare the Passover. And so they go to the temple. They get the, they have the ritual slaughter of the lamb. They get the lamb. They come back. They have the meat. They get all the other items they're going to need, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread that has been baked already. For the meal that night, look at verse 20. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And you can continue to read. I'll just touch base with some of the high tops on the mountains. Verse 26, and as they were eating, they're having the Passover Seder. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. And here he institutes the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper that we celebrate, the communion table. He institutes it right here. Now, of course, you know, you have to, in order to understand this, the, everything that unfolded, you have to read the Gospels, their synoptic Gospels. They intertwine with each other. I'm not going to do all of that, but uh, you can know when you have to go over there at the Passover Seder. Remember John chapter 13? That's when he went around and washed the feet, all of them, as they, before they had the meal. And that's when Peter said he wasn't going to deny him, and Jesus said, you will, all of those things happening. But now, let, look back in Matthew 26. I'm just trying to keep you in one location. Verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. They came out of the upper city. They come down to the, the southern end of the city. They walk across the Kidron Valley, and they go over to the Mount of Olives. And I'd love to walk you there sometime. <laughs> Y'all come go with us sometime. Love to do it. Uh, and they get over there. And by the way, that's when John chapter 17 took place on their walk over there. See, John 17 was the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven is the disciples' prayer. John 17 is the Lord's Prayer, and he's walking along, and as he's praying with these men, he said, Lord, God, Father, all that you've given me, don't let any of them disappear. Can God not answer the prayer of Jesus Christ? Somebody sent me, can we lose our salvation? Can we deny? Uh-uh. You're incapable because God's answered Jesus' prayer. And God, the Father said, I'll give them to you. Jesus said, they're in my hand. I want you to put them into your hand. Boy, if I'm in Jesus' hand, that's all I need. But if I'm in Jesus' hand and God's hand, ain't nobody getting in there, and I ain't getting out. I guarantee, as they say down in Louisiana, I guarantee you ain't getting out of there. 
And so he's praying his prayer going over. Now, then they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of the olive press where he was pressed down. That's what Gethsemane means. They go over there, and you can read in chapter 26, the three prayers. He tries to get his men just to watch one hour with him and pray. That doesn't happen. In verse 47 of chapter 26, in comes Judas, walks up, kisses him on the cheek. He had made a deal with the, the Jewish leaders, the one I kiss on the cheek. That's the one. He betrayed him right there. Peter pulls out his sword, draws his sword, cuts. Oh, impetuous Peter. I love Peter. Man, boy, I, I have a real affinity with Peter, you know, always opening his mouth and putting his size 12 sandal in it. You know, I love Peter. He cuts his sword out. He cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest and the Lord's. I, I can just imagine. Peter reaches down, picks it up, puts it on it, makes it whole. You know, just almost disgusted with old Peter. I mean, that's the way. I know I, I'm, I'm a Peter. I can guarantee it. And then he goes through. All, he did all this so that all the scripture would be fulfilled. And you come down, he brings him to Caiaphas. By the way, this is at night. Now he brings him to Caiaphas. I haven't changed from the evening when they had the Passover Seder. Passover Seder probably took place 8, 9 o'clock in the evening. Probably midnight when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come in at midnight. They then take him to Caiaphas. This was against the law. The Sanhedrin was not allowed to meet at midnight. There were six mock trials that took place for Jesus Christ. Six mock trials. Three of them were religious and three of them were civil. This first one is a mock trial. It was an illegal trial because they were in front of Caiaphas at Caiaphas' house during the night judging Jesus Christ. They go through that. Look over chapter 27. Quick, we got to hurry. Chapter 27. And when the morning was come, now we have come from the beginning of the evening, the beginning of that day of Passover, to the morning of Passover. And when the morning was come, Caiaphas, again, the second mock trial, calls the Sanhedrin legally into session. And they start to meet. And they start to judge him. And then uh, you, you can read all these things. They bring him into Pilate, and the Pilate offers, who, who, Barabbas or, or Jesus? We want Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Interesting narrative here. Barabbas is released in verse 26 of chapter 27. You keep going through here. They put the crown of thorns on his brow. Man, if you come to Israel with me, I'll take you to the spot, Pilate's Judgment Hall, where they did that. Loved it. I preached down there. Boy, I'm telling you, we have a great time. Crucifixion starts to take place or at least the events of the crucifixion in verse 33. Now, here's a great study, and if I take you to Jerusalem sometime, I want to show you something. Chapter 27, verse 33 and following says 37 things were seen by the centurion and those sitting beside him. It says right there, look at chapter 37, verse 36, and sitting down, they watched him there. They were going to crucify him. And sitting down, they watched him. And then it lays out 37 things that were seen. Statements made, activities taking place. They give him a sponge with vinegar on it. All of these 37 things. This is important because you can understand exactly. Because, see, we have a big debate in Jerusalem going on where Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, and resurrected. And there's a place called the Holy Sepulcher in the old city, which is a lie out of the pit of hell. It's certainly not there. And then there's a place that 
military man named Gordon found called the Garden Tomb. And if you saw our television program, I took you to the real place based upon a study of this scripture. I don't have time to develop that. But uh, it is exciting to see where it actually took place. 37 things happen. He dies. And then look at verse 57. And in the evening was come just before because they had to prepare. And a rich man came, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and they asked for the body. Verse 59, and when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Verse 60, and he laid it in his own new tomb. Very interesting study. But from right here, you go to John chapter 19. Thank you for joining us here as we have taken a look at the book, looking at Zechariah. And really what we've been looking at is the fulfillment of the Jewish feast and how they play into the end time scenario that God's prophetic word reveals to all of us as we study it diligently. By the way, you need to have your copy of Zechariah. It's entitled The Zechariah Perspective. It's a six-part audio series on CD that is available to you. You can call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, and make your order by going to our shopping mall. The title of this series, The Zechariah Perspective, and it's a six-hour audio series on CD that will help you get a handle on this very important prophetic book. As we study Zechariah, and in fact all of the prophetic books, we become more and more aware every day that the next event in God's calendar of activities, the rapture of the church when Jesus shouts, the archangel shouts, and the trumpet God calls us up to be with him, that that could happen at any moment. In fact, it could happen before I finish the next sentence. And in light of that, there's nothing left for me to say now, except let's keep looking up until...